it is 18 hours 29 minutes and 40 seconds East African time time for John Sibi Okumu on Wednesday this being Wednesday the 29th of June 2022 Hello and welcome our general elections are now 34 days away and we continue to put matters of the moment into their constitutional context. I remember that as a young boy, one of the idiomatic expressions we were taught was that an Englishman's home is his castle, with the suggestion that no matter where he, and by extension she lives, Nyumbani Kwamzungu is a place of satisfaction and pride. Subclause 1b in Article 43 of our Constitution, under Economic and Social Rights, states that every person has the right to accessible and adequate housing and to reasonable standards of sanitation. In this edition, we are going to address housing for us in Kenya. Our guest today, a mystery at first as usual, certainly has the knowledge and experience to give us some interesting views on the subject. Ndugu, would you please listen to these sample answers to the question, would you move to live in a better place if you could? And if so, why? Jay, kama ungekuwa na uwezo, ungehama kutoka mahali unapoishi sasa. Na ni kwa nini uhame? Definitely I will without hesitation. There is poor disposal of waste, so it's not really comfortable. And then you find that when it rains, there is a lot of flooding. Ah, siezi hama, bali niko niko comfortable. I'd move. Reasons being, one, water shortage, then it's populated. I can't move because Zimamani is a cool place. Takuna makelele. Naza ama sababu ya cho, na bei ya nyumba, na uchafu. Takataka amali, takataka hiko. Sawa nikipata place power. Hiyo naeza ama. I live in Jericho. And given an opportunity to go to another place, I, I wouldn't adjust the way I am because the houses are cheap. I'm out in a issue in a kuta chua kuna, barabara ni mbovu, nyumba ni mbovu. Nakuta mahali hapo kulipa rendi ni shida, jobu ni shida. Kuta kuhishi mahali pazuri, upate mahali maji kwa safi, barabara ni safi, shuda hiko karibu. Zine sababu na inazapanya ni hame mahali na naishi, nyeleke pali pazuri. Uh, siwezi hama mali naishi juu hiyo opportunity inaweza kuwa ni pesa na hiyo pesa nijiwest nayo nyumbani kama ni shamba ninunue shamba nijenge huko ndugu what is your response to what you've just heard hayo maswali ambalo ambayo wananchi wamesungumzia yanaguzia yale ambayo ulianzia na wewe ulipoanza uliposema mzungu nyumbani kwake ni mahali pa kujifunia castle ukasungumzia kwa kiingereza ya kwamba yeye anaangalia masuala ya kuwa satisfied anatosheka na mahali alipo 
ya kwamba ni bahali ambayo anajivunia na hayo maswala yote hao wananjua wamegusia hayo when you talking about accessibility when you talking about adequacy the gentlemen and ladies who have responded have addressed in a big way that issue of adequacy of accessibility ya kwamba somebody is, takes pride in where they live they are satisfied in where they live or they might not be satisfied in the conditions that are there now in, from the answers you have, you have received issues of accessibility when someone talks about jobs for example that i will move or not move because of jobs that is an issue of of, of accessibility when somebody says that uh, i will move or not move because of the schools are available or not that's accessibility unaishi mahali ambapo pengine wewe mwenyewe ama watoto wako watapata shule kwa uraisi. watafikia shule kwa uraisi. ama pana mambo ya maji ayo sasa ni mambo ambayo maswala ambayo nasungumzia uh, adequate housing mahali ambapo upo hiyo nyumba iko na maji ya kutosha ama pana ikiwa haina maji ya kutosha ambayo unahitaji kama familia then that's not adequate you are living in a house that does not have enough water or water is intermittent then indeed it is not adequate for housing you are living in a water i mean a place where the toilet is not accessible sasa kama kuna maswali ya choo choo pengine kimoja kwa watu wengi nasema hiyo nyumba haiko adequate so when we are talking about adequate and accessibility we're not just looking at the house itself we're looking at adequacy in terms of the facilities the services that are available so bahali pamoja unaweza kusema ndio yes hapa bahali pazuri kabisa inatipatia ile satisfaction ile mzungu ambayo ulianza na yeye i'm satisfied because water is available here the road is there uh, when i want to do my waste disposal i can easily do it so you have, you have, these people have addressed both they have addressed the issues of adequacy and 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 uh, and, and, and accessibility that yes this place i can i get into the house the road is bad and therefore i cannot get into my house into the into the house and therefore it is not accessible but okay. also do to continue yes but also when i want my child to go to to school is the school nearby or is it far if it is far or the transport cost is is prohibitive prohibitive then it, the housing becomes inadequate so when we talk about housing we do not just look at the house itself the four walls and the roof and the floor shelter we, we differentiate between housing and shelter and so therefore we say that w- w- the house itself are the four walls around it and the roof and the floor that's house but shelter goes beyond that and you are looking therefore at accessibility to the various services education water health facilities markets and so on ndugu i'd like to take you back one because you're basically speaking to concerns that could end our conversation very quickly so let's try to stretch it a bit and go back to the idea of definitions yes i remember again as a young boy that having been out of the country for some time when we returned to kenya we were received by an uncle who lived in jerusalem and soon after there was to follow there was jericho Mm-hmm. and then we all had the 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 estates for the indigenous people makadara ziwani yes and the anecdotes a legend about the wonderful people who lived in those estates daniel arab moy uh, going down river road and going back further still 
we go back to the village scenario where to this day uh, you go home squared, as it were, and you found the mud hut. So I'm asking myself in discussing this question, is our aspiration as a country, as a people, to be European in every aspect? Our people can live in manyatas, they can live in houses made of straw, they can head to the bushes to defecate, but that's all, if you wish, primitive, and now we're going to develop and have a million concrete units as a measure of progress with toilets and buses to take us there. Is that the ideal? Is that the aspirational idea for us as a nation? No, definitely not. Because, and I like the way you, your opening statement, satisfaction. I like the way you brought it out. Satisfaction for anybody, whether it is in Africa or in Europe or in America, is that the person wants to be satisfied with where they live. In the rural setup, in Busia, in Bungoma, in, in, in Wajia, we have got our cultural values. Where, for example, as a parent, you do not want to live in the same house with your, uh, your, your son who is of mature age. There was always room for the son to move out and build, if, it, if you are in, 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 in Budalangi or, or in Shiaia, what they call a simba, the small hut for the boy. That's what satisfaction. That as a parent, I do not want to live in the same house with my, with my old child. They, they live out. If you are living in the same house with your son, who is 24, there is an, an issue of, of, of pride that is being eroded. So that does not become satisfied. satisfying. Now, the, the jungle problem, problem thing that we do not want in Africa is where we are mixed now with our adults, our adult children. Because we're building a, 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 a storehouse, a but then perhaps there's just only one room or two rooms. And I like, again, your example of, of Jericho and, and, and Ziwani. That was one of the major reasons they're saying that is that housing adequate? Because it's perhaps one room. And now if you've got two children, where are they going to, say, to stay? For us in Africa, we, housing is a cultural artifact. And therefore, we cannot leave our culture outside. As we, as we do our designs. Before you continue, I yes. think for our conversation, Dugu, we have to, vast as it is, I think we have to make a, a complete separation between the urban and the rural. And because as development is geared to the city and the great magnet is to go to the city where the streets are paved with gold, maybe we should spend some time in the city, in the urban scenario. And I'm asking you, Ndugu, in the years that have transpired between the early 60s when I was going to visit my uncle Philip in Jerusalem and now, aren't we creating a bigger divide between the haves and the have-nots? And what role is the state playing in that? And I have a follow-up question again, which is again, an animal in the room. I won't call it an elephant, but it's an obvious question. How far have we progressed in terms of providing adequate housing for our people? Historically, could you answer that? Yes. Yes. Unfortunately, that's one area that as a country we've done very badly in terms of pro providing housing for our people. 
if you just pick the statistics, uh, in the 90s, the housing deficit in Nairobi, for example, alone, we, we needed uh, 200,000 houses to be constructed every month, I mean, every year. But we were doing something less than around 20,000, 30,000 at most. That deficit, we have, we have, we have not over, over, overcome it yet. So it remains. When you're talking about the proliferation of what are called informal settlements or slums, it's because of the inadequacy of housing. And therefore, the people are making their own efforts to provide for them. Government has failed to provide for them housing. So they do their best. What, what do I do? I need a house in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a Kibra, Line Saba, Mugumoini. I need a house in, 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 in Kwanjenga, Ruben, whatever, whatever it is. What do I do? I look for cartons to put up, as long as I get a house. So that we have not made a progress. I, I mean, as I expected progress. We have made some progress, yes, because if you look at uh, Kibra, for example, there's uh, the slum upgrading program that's taken on. Has, it has developed some certain houses. But definitely, they are far from what is, is needed. So, no, yes, as a country, we have not reached the target yet. We are far, far from it. We're going to take a very short break because you've um, provided me with an adequate full stop. Capital FM. Ndugu, we were there talking about the great divide, the haves and the have-nots, the classic divide. And you said something about buildings being put up to provide better housing. But in the Kenyan context, that better housing in places like Kibra is immediately purchased by people who have the money to do so as an extra investment. And then they charge rents that the Wanainchi can't afford. Would you like to comment? Yes. Yeah, the, 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 uh, a critical issue that you bring out is the divide between the haves and the have-nots. So that while even going back to the issue that we had raised about lack of housing or shortage of housing in Nairobi, it only affects some certain parts of the population. At the lower end, those who can afford housing rent, who cannot afford housing rents of about 15,000, 10,000 and above are more. They're the ones who are most affected. But if you are on the lower, on the higher end, it's very easy to get a house in Nairobi. So that even the private sector that currently is doing a lot of housing development, are built, some of the houses are vacant. If you go to, to Runda, you go to these upper market uh, areas, the houses there that have been waiting for to get clients for, 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 for months on end. So the divide is already there, even in the designs. And this goes to the issues even of, of like building materials, that when you use certain building materials, then you increase the cost. Because the person, if it's a private sector, a person who has built a house and they have used very expensive materials, then they want to charge higher rents to get it. So they already leave out the majority of the residents who cannot afford that housing. So that, 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 that divide is, is, is real. It's there. Uh, while many people are squeezed into the, into the Mukurus, Kwanjengas, and, and Mukuru Kwarubens, you would think that the whole of Nairobi is there. But on the other side, part of town, houses are lying vacant. So that divide is there. And it begins, it goes back to the issue of design, policy by government, and so on. You see, Ndugu, uh, when you bring up all these sort of like trigger words like Mukuru Kwanjenga, then to my mind, you immediately bring up the issue of evictions. Now, let's stick to our best friend, the Constitution. The Our Constitution is billed as one of the best in the world. 
it's a poor people-friendly constitution. And we're asking yet again, because in so many days' time, we are gearing to have a change in leadership, so to speak. Now, are the expectations after August the 9th that Wanainchi will not be evicted willy-nilly out of the places that they found to live in Nairobi, that they won't be given uh, oral warnings that their bulldozer is coming in the next day to uh, destroy their their habitats. Uh, I'm trying to think y- about yes. what we should be asking our politicians to give us as promises yes. rather than the very sort of enticing promises, f- free education for all, free food for all, free travel for all. What are the issues on the ground with regard to housing? I'm, I'm glad that you've brought out the issue, issue of evictions. And that is actually at the center. If you look at our constitution, and the right to housing that as, as enshrined in the Constitution under Article 43B, B, I mean 43B, that definitely that's an issue that we have not addressed. We're talking about the issue of, of security of tenure. Yes. Security of tenure has not been addressed. And security of tenure comes in different forms. The majority of Nairobians, the majority of people who live in Kisumu, in Mombasa, one security of, most of them are tenants. You, you can still provide security of tenure to them by ensuring, just like uh, you and I perhaps, if, uh, if I go into a lease agreement with, with, with my, my, tenor, my, my landlord, there are provisions there that, for example, if he was going to get me, want me to go out, he'll give me two months' notice. It could be provided. He has to give me three months' notice. The problem with the poorer people of our population, they do not have those guarantees. But you're always forgetting to uh, to stress in Dugu that the wh- wh- the people we're describing as the poorer people in our population, they also represent the overwhelming majority. That's right. So isn't this a, a tremendous it, failure on yes, the part of the state? Pre- precisely. And, and so that's what, going back to your question is that uh, what is it that we should have done but we're not doing? What are the kind of promises that we should be hearing from, from our, our no, aspiring I, I, leaders? I'm going a step further to yes, defining yes. we yes. as the government, successive governments, right. are the ones who are meant to provide legislation. Yes. The constitution is a guide. Yeah. It's a roadmap. It's a kind of that we've understood that. Yes. And now we're saying in these momentous times to come on the issue of housing, you, from your vantage point of huge experience, what are some of the red lights that we should be looking at and trying to confront through legislation? Yes. Should the legislation say that you cannot evict anybody from anywhere? Yes. That's true. Perhaps again, I don't know. You asked me about if, if, if we have made any progress. Yes, indeed. Over the years. Yes, indeed. That's one area that yes, we have to admit that we have made some progress, because after the constitution was promulgated in 2010, there have got some. There have been subsequent legislation that has taken place. Before 2010, we had a myriad of laws that were contradicting each other. For example, there was the issue of the, the there was a land act. I mean, the tenants bill. Tenants, tenants Act that looked at the tenants. Then there's another one that looked at the, for the issue of the the landlords themselves. And if you read, you picked one article from one piece of legislation to the other, you could see open contradiction. Now, what the government has done, fortunately, is that they have already tried to amalgamate those laws so as to remove the contradictions. 
so that you are speaking now to legislation so that if I am a tenant, I am reading the same page, the same law with my landlord and therefore it becomes easier to implement. So that's a part of the progress that has been made. Uh, security of tenure, for example, deals with housing, I mean with, with land. There were about 30 pieces of law, law that dealt, dealt with land. And every time you went through the 30 pieces of law, there were contradictions. Now, the progress, fortunately, that has been made is that it's been collapsed into one act, the Land Act of 2012. So that has helped to, to cover the, the, the loopholes that were there. So, yes, progress has been made on that in terms of synchronizing the le various legislation. Uh, the, the land policy, I mean, the housing policy that directly speaks to how government is with the kind of programs that how government is going to come with. The last one was developed in 2004. Fortunately, that has also been changed the, the, the current housing policy, which was uh, drafted in 2016 and I think passed in 2018, now speaks to the challenges and some of the challenges that we're addressing now. So at least that's, that's a progress that has been there. But unfortunately, and that's why I was talking about the, uh, the question you were saying, that uh, when we get promises from our, our aspiring leaders, they are failing us, particularly on housing, that the issues that they should be speaking to, very simple things, that we shall provide uh, infrastructure in, in Mukuru, so that the landlords, whether they are the landlords who live there or outside, will make it easy to provide housing. That, we, I, I, the trick question is what happened to the people who were evicted from Mukuru? Yes. Did they disappear from the face of the earth and no longer exist? Yeah, the, unfortunately that's what happens with the, with the evictions. Where did they go? Some of them are on the fringes right. of, of or, Mukuru itself. Yes. Some have moved to, to, to others in formal settlements. And therefore, that's how you cause congestion in, in Kibra because they, when they move from, from Ukuru Kwanjenga, they will go to a similar environment, right. which is, a, which is a, 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 adequate, which is accessible for them in terms of cost and so on. So they most likely go to, fit, to, to build up the numbers that the lady was co co complaining about in our opening. You see that uh, this area, there's a lot of population, big population in my area, because some of those who are evicted come <laughs> into this particular area. So when you are about 25,000, 25, uh, you find yourself now you are 35,000 in a simple settlement. We, we hardly address the evictees. Right. Yeah. Uh, Ndugu, another, uh, there's much to discuss. Another image that comes to mind to me is this idea of there being uh, Nairobi. We've taken, I think, Nairobi as our model for the urban. Mm -hmm. There are any number of building sites, huge and we're all being told not to sort of cast aspersions that these are under construction by the Chinese. The Chinese are building our expressways. The Chinese are building the infrastructure that we've always lacked. Is it a great leap forward for us to entrust the building of our basic infrastructure to a foreign power? Should we be welcoming this development for we, one? We should and be like the two pronged. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, if it's not the Chinese, it let's not malign them unduly. It is the rich Kenyan who is making the gated community either in Kiambu or on the outskirts of Machakos, and this will be self-contained. Uh, there'll be a hospital. There'll be a school. But once again, it is the preserve of the rich. So as we look to a new government, can we say that our government so far have failed the common man? Yes, uh, a very important question. Uh, housing, uh, and, and there's something else, I'm uh, is something that you have been raising along that are very critical. You started off earlier on top about talking at housing as a cultural value. Housing, apart from f serving to protect us against the elements, 
has got a cultural element. If you bring the Chinese and to build, the challenge that when, when we ape that is that we shall miss out on some certain African cultural values. What was the house in the African context? And for a Chinese, we build a house, they're looking at the nuclear family. Me and my wife and my two children. For the African the culture of Africa, but, but they're building these houses under their own personal sort of direction. Let's go into Kenya and build the kind yes. of houses we wish to build. Yes. That's what you're suggesting is happening. That's what is, what, what is what's happening. Because when they come here, they would they hardly understand uh, the cultural context of an African. When you're putting a house as an African, what are the various factors that you take into consideration? My relationship with my brother, my relationship with my uncle. But so we've just said that they're building houses for the rich. I haven't seen sort of um, a big dash to Kaungware to build houses from the Chinese. No, 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 no. And, and that's, that's what increases the, the, the divide again. Right. They divide. So they're still catering for a certain class, okay. a certain segment. The, the majority of people... And even who, there you're saying that yes. there are deficiencies. Yes. Even for the well-to-do, yes. the middle class, whatever yes. nomenclature you might adopt, yes. there are deficiencies everywhere. It, there are. Yes. There, there are big ones. So that's what we lose out with leaving our housing construction to foreigners. There's something that we shall lose. They, they, they will help us address some certain gaps. Yeah, that, that's fine. But it should be controlled in some certain levels. That it, We're talking about housing standards. That when you're dealing with housing standards, those are some of the things that we should, if we allow foreigners to come in, we must ensure that there are some certain basic minimums that they have to adhere to. Another break, if you would, Dogo. Dugu, uh, again, because of constraints of time, we might return to the to 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 the urban. Things are not good. Uh, let us switch our focus now. No, before we abandon the urban, uh, the, the Kenya is always described as a, a young country. As a young country, what again would be the wish list to involve the young? If I, let's assume I've had the means to educate my child to a certain level, what should be the wish list for that child, for example, to procure a mortgage, to be able to pay? Now, again, if you benchmark to Europe and the West, there are any number of young people who say, oh, we've just got married and we're getting together and we're buying a house. And it seems to be a doable construct over four years. Now, in the Kenyan context, they're grown men, perhaps including you and me, who've never had the luxury of contemplating owning a house of their own. Is there a solution to this problem that might be considered? That, that is a big problem. If you look at the, the mortgaging, the percentage of Kenyans who are who got access to mortgage, you'll be so, so disappointed. It's a very small number. Well, I, my research has revealed that there are only 25,000 mortgages going. <laughs> you are right. <laughs> 25,000 out of... Yes. So many million. Exactly. Exactly. Now, when you take in the, the young Which people... Which means that mortgages don't exist. We the, have no instrument for yes. the, the easy purchase of, of a dwelling. That, that's right. That's right. Now, when, when you start focusing, to, to bring into perspective the young people, then the challenge is even bigger. Because, again, the mortgaging is very expensive. Very expensive. And mortgaging, the way that we have, we have structured our mortgaging industry is that you can spend 30 years... Just did, pay, pay, trying to pay a house. 
Now, surely, how can you spend 30 years paying, paying for a house? And, and by the time you finish paying, you're already old. Yeah, but yeah, but, yeah. but the think tanks for our, our parties now in Dugu, everybody employs people like you, mm. and they say, before we write our manifesto, Ndugu, with your knowledge, what should we promise the Kenyan populace? Yes. So having been in, in that field of activity, yes. the problem exists. What would you suggest as a solution? If in the next government you were to be, yeah. God make it possible, the Minister for Housing. Yes, we, we will definitely have to address the issue of, of cost of housing, even in using the, the, the mortgage facilities. And we're saying that you bring it down by making more money available to the housing sector. You, if you take a, an instrument like the National Social Security Fund, NSSF, monies are put there by almost all Kenyans who are in employment and, 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 and business and so on. But that money for a long time has been lying idle. If this money were to be, get, be, be, be made available to the housing sector, it will bring down the cost of housing. So that if you talk about housing finance, corporation, for example, that can we channel house, uh, part of these uh, monies that are put in the, in the NSSF into the housing finance, finance so that then the cost becomes da- comes down with clear policy inf- instrument that, for example, a mortgage should not be beyond 10%. Because right now, if you go to, 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 to get a loan for housing, if you are lucky to get 15%, 20%, you'll be very, very, very lucky. People are paying 20%, 25% as interest. That is unaffordable. And that's especially for a young person who has just left college, who has left university, is getting the first, uh, first salary, and you want them to start getting housing within the three, first three years of employment. They cannot get it because it's very expensive. If I were a policymaker, we'll definitely look at the instruments that you can get more monies into the housing sector. There has been an improvement. But, but there's another word we must put in there in almost every edition, and that is the C word, corruption. Yes. Uh, what would you do? Uh, there are so many promises going around saying, uh, come August the 10th, this is going to be a corruption-free country. How I wish it were. How I wish it were. <laughs> we, we, we hope so. We hope but, so. We but, pray but, for that. There, but, there are no measures where, because you said there's a possibility for money to come in. Yes. So that begs the question, uh, where has the money that has been available gone to? Yes. And, and that's why if you go to the facility itself like NSSF, uh, if you, if, if you uh, um, uh, within your journalistic uh, background, yes. the stories that have come out from NSSF, the monies that have been swindled yes. over the last 15, 20 years, makes a one to cry. The issue of corruption has been there. As we, we think that the money is being kept in the accounts of NSSF for the people to, 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 to retire and then get it, the monies are being used for selfish, selfish purposes by some of us Kenyans. So as corrupt, if we, if we as, a, as leaders, we are serious about corruption, that is one of the areas that we have to be addressed. I mean, we have to address. How do we uh, make sure that the monies that are going to housing from NSSF, from other funds, indeed go into developing housing? That is a challenge that is, we, we are faced as a country. A quick switch, Ndugu, to the rural. It's all going at breakneck speed. Let's get to Mashambani Kidogo. And there we find, again, let me look at the kind of image that I have mm. of people who've been living this way, the Ogiek, who've just had a, a landmark ruling in their favor. Who is there to legislate the manner in which people should live when they've lived the way they have for many, many years. Mm. Is this an index of development in the Ukwa Mashambani? Yes. 
for, for, for the rural areas, for the OGX, we should not be concerned about improving their housing to the, the kind of housing that we have in Nairobi, the kind of housing we have in Lagos, the kind of housing we have in, in UK. No. What we should be more concerned, and, and that goes back to the question of accessibility, services around them. If I am an OGEK who lives in the Mau, 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 Mau Summit, around that, the forest there, is it possible for me to take my children to school easily? If I am living in my mud, my mud and in any case, the, those, those houses actually, culturally, they're very good. Even if, uh, scientifically, they're better designed to deal with it. If it's hot, for example, a, a touched house is more comfortable than the iron sheets that we have here. So there's a lot of value in our traditional housing in terms of, of design, in, in terms of controlling the, 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 the elements. So we should not be concerned about that. Look, these are perhaps, if you like, uh, primitive housing. There's nothing like primitive in, in that sense. It was very adequate for the needs of the people. Our concern as policymakers should be, can the Ogiek get his or her child to school easily from where they stay? Is there water? Have they been struggling to get water? If I'm going to say Yukuru, and there's a young man who has, who has got, recently gotten married, he has put up that shelter. Do they have water 12 months? Do they have water 24 hours? If we are improving the accessibility to water, to education, if the child falls sick, the, the woman is pregnant and she wants to go to hospital, she can get to hospital easily. We shall have improved housing for them. We shall have made housing adequate in that particular sense. And what about the idea of the huge pastoralist communities who are forever on the move? Again, would somebody like yourself and in you giving help and aid to the development of such areas? I'm here one day and I'm looking for uh, the grass for my camels. Are we saying that in so many decades' time, the idea of pastoralism will end and therefore we're now making a conscious effort to educate pastoralists to stay put so that they'll have a hospital and a school? And no. therefore, we're going to change the culture. Why yes. not? They say culture is dynamic. Yes. That's another of these. So is that something for, with great resistance, is that something for us to aim for to make sure that our people stay more or less static? Now, for the pastoralists, again, I'm always, I've, I've never been an, an advocate of changing people's lives that way, that drastically. What we should be looking at, and I go back to the issue of services. In terms of technology in building a house, if the Maasai, if the Samburu, the Rendile, are in such a way that they have to move, then technology as a government, we should say, can we provide them, if you like, with portable housing? Housing that is decent, I can move from one part of, of Samburu to the other corner, but I will still be able to live in inadequate. I will still be satisfied, using your words, yes. with, with the kind of housing I have. And can, education, can you ask, can you education ask? And, and looking yes. what would um, you know the next minister of education because we're trying to suggest here in Dugu that one size does not fit all precisely therefore should the legislation took yes. it, take in various parts of the country yes. and various stages of development because we know that certain areas historically have been left behind yes the nfd the dreaded northern frontier district was a kind of uh, wilderness mm -hmm. and they were condemned to stay that way until one day somebody woke up and suggested that there might be oil be beneath the sand mm -hmm. so again you're the minister what are you going to do yeah you, you see the issue of pastoralism the, 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 the Minister of Education, the experts in housing, like myself, will argue that if you want to provide services, it's cheaper if you are doing it in a concentrated place. And that's why there's always been the view that uh, if you're going to provide electricity, 
and you have got people who are dispersed, it becomes more expensive because of putting the lines, the sewerage, it becomes very expensive, which, which, which is correct. But we're saying that as scientists, as a modern thinkers, policymakers, we should look at solutions. Unless we have provided with, if, if, for example, the, the pastoralists move because they're looking for pasture, they're looking for water. If we have provided water and, and, and pasture, then we can consider asking them to, to, to remain sedentary life. But if we have not done that, the next best thing is to move with them. Say, look, tomorrow you're going to move and you need a housing. So our technology should be such that it enables them to wherever they go, you will still have a decent shelter. It does not have to be permanent, just like our permanent houses are in Nairobi. But I will be there. I mean, if, if, if you go to tended camps in, in Masai Mara, in Masai Mara, people live there in tents and they're very comfortable. Is it possible for us to provide that kind of housing with the population until we reach that time where we have provided water in one place and pasture in one place? Because if we provide water and pasture, then perhaps the Maasai, the Rendiles will move in one place. But as far as we have not provided that, they will keep moving. And therefore, we should go with that lifestyle of moving with them. But provide, I don't see anything wrong with having a, a mobile school. The population has moved there. We go there with the teachers. They move with them and provide education in that place. There's nothing wrong with that. So another prong that we could pursue is this idea of national cohesion. Sisi wa Kenya, tunabendera, tunajivunia kuwa wa Kenya. But what do you see? I, you see pretty much the same thing. If we live in a city, and those cities are basically the constructs of the colonial era, it's all right for you, whatever ethnic group or kind of people you belong to, to move into Nairobi and to Kisumu. But if I were to go to Homa Bay or West Pokot, or Baringo, coming from another part of Kenya, then in the rural environment, there is a hostile reception to me. So we don't have sort of neighbors who are all Kenyans together. Now, when we read about uh, whichever country, would it be Singapore where Lee Kuan Yew said, okay, we've built these flats and everybody's going to live in them, local Singaporeans, Chinese, Indians, and so many generations later, the society is more integrated. Should we as Kenyans force ourselves to live amongst each other regardless of our <coughs> provenance? There is always uh, some, some richness in diversity. In this diversity, we should maintain it, even in cultures, in the, the lifestyles we have. I think the more diversified we are, the, the richer, the better we are as a society. So we, sh we should not be forced to, to look for solutions that are fit, or fit for, for, for everybody. Where it is possible, yes. Where it's not possible, we shouldn't, we, we shouldn't live, we, we, we struggle so much to, to, to get it. Let us go to a particular area and say, what, and, and that's where, again one of the beauties of our, of our constitution, the issue of participation. If we talk to the people themselves, they will suggest to you what they want in that. A particular area, that particular particular context. Right, we might have our last break. Capital FM. Dogu, this is uh, traditionally the part where I ask you to reveal yourself, but uh, such is the density of our conversation that I'm going to eat into your self-revelation time and ask you how this, how Kenya fits into 
uh, international protocols. Uh, we signed up, according to my researches, to the UN's International Convention on Economic, Social and Cultural Rights in perhaps 1977. And there's also a linkage to Article 21 of our Constitution on the implementation of rights and fundamental uh, freedoms, which says that the state shall be bound to take legislative policy and also work towards the progressive realization now, if the governments which are wishing to take over want to change everything that happened before, are, isn't there going to be a period of stagnation? Internationally, we're being told to do this, and people are saying within the first so many weeks of my administration, we've heard it said, I'm going to disband the Constitution and hang everybody who's... Uh, well, you, you read the papers as I do. Are these realistic propositions from our politicians? Yes, that, that, that's a, a, a challenge. The threat to our constitution, as is, from all angles. Do we need to get rid of it and that's where nirvana, heaven will come from? We don't have, definitely, we don't have to get rid of our constitution. We should be looking at how to implement that constitution. It has got very good provisions. Uh, like some of us have struggled for many years to actually just get that one st remark within the constitution. The right to housing. In the 90s, it was a major struggle. And therefore, for having gotten in there, that was a major gain. We cannot lose that. I always get worried when somebody says we should, we should do away with that constitution. We cannot afford to do that. So I think Kenyans are not going to leave it. The, 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 the voices that you had there who are living in those difficult housing conditions are definitely not going to, to allow that. What we should be looking for, and this is one of the, 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 the limitations of progressive realization, because progressive is how long? Is it three years? Is it 20 years? We, we've not quite defined that. So we need to really make, make, try to get, make, make it more pragmatic, practical. When we say progressive, what do we mean? In, in terms of providing, and it's very easy. People will build for themselves housing if you provide the environment. If, for example, you go and bring a road into, into an area that there's no road, if you provide water there, then the private sector will build housing there, which will be cheaper. So government's responsibility is what they are saying is that right now we are getting about 4 billion, 4.5 billion shillings into housing. Can we increase that to 10 billion shillings just for a start? So that now the, the private sector will say, look, we have provided water for you here. We have provided electricity. Can you build more housing? Can you build housing that is, can be afforded by the person who lives in, 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 in Kwanjenga again? I'm getting confused by all the things that I want to get in in the last two seconds. Yes. And uh, internationally, yes. uh, benchmarking, are we a role model for the rest of the continent? Are there countries which we would should emulate on, 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 on the African continent? On, on the African continent, <laughs> you'll be surprised that actually Kenya is, is the one that the people come to benchmark in terms of what we're doing for housing. Uh, there was a time a countries like Malawi had some very good prog many programs in housing. But again, for the reasons best known to them, they, we, we kind of overtook them. So it, as much as we, we, we don't seem to be doing very well, but Kenya is still far, far ahead in terms of housing. And, and the 2010 constitution, fortunately, is one of the constitutions of the country that provides for, uh, has got a provision for, for access to, to, to housing. So it is still a good thing. We live in the information age, digitization, Again, on this issue of benchmarking, people always say 
look at Rwanda 25 years ago there was a genocide but under a very strong legislative government uh, now you can go into Rwanda and set up a business in two weeks you can go and find records you can yes, 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 so uh, yes, yes. they have embraced technology yes, yes if we're the benchmarking capital of, of yes. the continent why haven't we embrace digitization to a similar degree. Exactly. Now, now that, that's a good example of Rwanda. Rwanda, on, the, on those two fronts that you have mentioned, Rwanda has done much better for us. Because even in housing, and, and because housing is largely going to be provided by the, by, by the private sector, you need to make it easy for them to do that. Rwanda has done much better than us in terms of making a one window for them. If you want housing, you want land, it's easier to do it in Rwanda than here. The issue of uh, getting information on the digital uh, framework is much easier there. And as a businessman or a businesswoman who wants to invest, you want to get your information at your fingertips. So again, on that, on that front, then Rwanda, countries like Rwanda are doing much better than us. But again, we have got gurus of, of IT here in Kenya. The, 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 the digital improvement in Rwanda, I'm told, was done much better, was done by Kenyans. People like Dr. Bob, Dr. Who, uh, this, this former minister of ICT. Become Bitem on them. No, no, there's another, there's another. Okay, let's, let's not yes, be uh, exactly. tied up in names. Exactly. Somebody did it. Somebody did it. We're, exactly. glad, we're glad they did. Yes. Yeah, the, so, the question, so, the question mm. I, I, I would ask you again in this idea of digitization and get, getting up to speed in the information age is uh, what should the government legislate on its own to avoid the over-reliance on private players in the housing sector. Mm. It seems that the government isn't going in there and telling people what to do. Yes. Uh, and that, that's one of the things, again, back to, to stick to the ICT thing, uh, I'm glad the, the president re recently declined to ascend to the bill on, on, on ICT because it was going to lock out many people who are going to use the, uh, the digital platform to get information out to make it much easier. So it's good that he, that he has asked the parliament to go and revisit some of those things, which will allow the private sector, the, the private developers, to really build housing without being so, so much... So, so you are for uh, leadership from the private sector. You're saying to government, let rich people do it to a capitalist end which seems to me that the end is going to be expensive for no, the common man. No, no, no. There are things that the government cannot leave it to the private sector. When we are talking about, for example, what we said about land tenure yes. and the issue of uh, making sure that you cannot get uh, land that is meant for the poor people and then you could turn well, it. I'm a bit confused. Again, explain to me as a layperson. You're yes. saying the president did well to stall something yes. so that the private sector would be better informed. So in other words... The, the, we are currently seeking to empower the private sector over state legislation no, 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 and in, checks and balances. In terms of information, digital information, we're saying that information should be available right. to wh whoever wants to use it without it restricting so much. So that if I, I, I want to build housing and I'm looking for certain information that is relevant to me, I should get it very easily. If I'm looking for technologies, I should very easily get that information. That's and, all we're and, saying. And go back to this bill. What was the bill saying that needs to be reviewed? I, I didn't get that bit. It, it, it was the, the, the issue of saying that the minister in charge of ICT shall have to control what kind of information goes into some certain sectors of the bill. Yes. Right. Mm. Um, time has come to for you to tell us uh, your name, please, sir. <laughs> My name is Eric Kuchio Makoha. 
I am a student of the build environment. I'm a student of, of housing, of urban development. I say myself as a student because I'm still learning more about uh, housing. I've, I've taught, I've taught uh, issues at the, the, the university on these issues, but uh, I still regard myself as a student of the housing, the, the build environment. We ask this question at this stage uh, to get into the whole idea of uh, everybody has a journey. We have young people looking for things to do. Mm. And it's basically the learning curve is how did you end up doing what you're doing? You must have gone to school. You must have got degrees. What uh, made you do this as apart from being a pharmacist, a lawyer or a doctor? Yes. Uh, but by, by training at the university, I studied sociology. Right. And that's where I got interested in society, how society organizes itself. And part of the things that I studied was urban, uh, uh, the, the urban challenges. Uh, I was actually focusing on, on, on slum, slum areas. And therefore, as I got into researching more on these slum areas, then I got exposed onto the challenges that people living in informal settlements go through. And therefore, I diversified myself from sociology to start focusing on urban development. Okay, I'm going, I'm going to take you a, a step back because, yes. again, from what you studied, yes. surely sociology in the same class as literature, history, yes. these are the subjects that we're being told uh, the people who emanate from them with degrees of no use to society whatsoever. <laughs> you should be heading the STEM way. Yeah. You should be doing something which is uh, your education will lead necessarily to your vocation. Mm -hmm. You'll come out with a job. You'll go to university. And this is where we're headed. So in that particular debate, uh, where do you stand? Do these, uh, these skills, the, the arts, count for nothing? I, I actually, actually in college I studied sociology and literature. <laughs> it's interesting to talk about literature. Right. I studied and, and, literature and, 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 and it, history. Was it a waste of time in today's world? It has never been a waste of time. It has made me to understand my fellow human beings. So that when I move, I'm, I'm very, I can very easily now, I'm, I'm giving, I've been talking about the informal settlements in Nairobi. If you go to, to, to Kisumu, the Nyalendas and the Manyatas. I've interacted with the residents who live in Manyata, in Obunga, in Kisumu. And because of my training in sociology, in my training of history, I, very, I find it very easy to interact with them, to appreciate what they are saying, to listen to their stories. So that they are telling me that, look, I came to Obunga from a certain village, and these are the issues that forced me to come into Obunga. These are the, the, the journeys that I've moved. So that, that training helps me to understand and relate to them. And so it enables me to even to discuss with them what are the solutions, what do they think about what, what can be done. So that's the kind of training that I've been equipped with. In this hustler environment where the idea is that success comes to those who work hard to make money, do you feel that in a job that perhaps made you be more interested in helping the community, do you regret not having become a multimillionaire or a billionaire in the process? That is and, what, and, and I don't know whether you have children. I dare not. But what would you tell the young? Should they go for the money or go for the service? I have got five grown children, grown-up children. My last daughter is twenty-four years now. I'm actually a grandfather. Uh, my children, I always tell them, the first, the greatest satisfaction, is for you to have to wake up one morning and say, look, today I talked to a human being and I gave them a solution. I helped them to think through that problem. That's the greatest satisfaction for me. 
I think it cannot compare to, 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 to money. Money is good. Money is useful. It helps you to do one or two things. But it cannot be the overall things that one desires for. Make you've talked about family in, in the minute or so that remains. What kind of doing what you've done, what kind of additional value have you given to your community, where you come from and your people? What have they gained from having Eric Makoha in their midst as a professional? Right now, I'm actually the chairman of a primary school, a board of management of a primary school. And when they, were, they came to me, the head teacher said, we are not very sure if you agree to serve on this particular board as a chairman, having been a lecturer in a university, that perhaps you are thinking about heading a Maseno University or something. Would you? I said, that is exactly where I want to be. To serve that community, that and actually I'm on the school that educated me, my primary school. So that's where I'm currently serving as the chairman of the board of management. And every time I go there and I interact with the kids, standard four, class four, standard five, every weekend I'm there. Even when I go for a board meeting, every weekend. No, no, no. Sorry. No, every no, time. Every time there. I go there. Right. I t apart from addressing the board meeting, I sit down with the kids and just listen to them and encourage them and motivate them. Uh, and then one or two of them might be lacking school fees or uniforms. I help them on that. That is what gives me satisfaction. We have to end there. I hope um, people have taken some inspiration from what you've said in terms of giving back. Um, end of conversation. We we'll, might talk again. So for those who've been listening, do continue to give us feedback, hopefully positive and reassuring, on the Twitter handle at Capital FM Kenya or drop us a text or WhatsApp message on 0701-984-984. I've been talking to Eric Makoha. I can pronounce that because that's pretty much the language I spoke as a kiddie. And uh, you've been listening to John Sibiokumu on Wednesday. Thank you. Until next time. Capital FM.